Hey guys, I'm Pete. And I'm Alex. And you're listening to the Kick Push Pivot Podcast. I'm a former Fortune 500 consultant dedicated to the idea of innovation and growth. And I used to manage marketing tours for the Rolling Stones, focused on creating one-of-a-kind customer experiences. On this podcast, we interview people faced with the decision to kickstart innovation, push through doubt, or pivot to something new. We hope you find something inspiring or encouraging as you listen. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Kick, Push, Pivot. Today's guest is a good one, Dr. Anu Navani. She is the founder and CEO of Comprehensive Spine and Sports Center, which is a leader in interventional and interdisciplinary spine orthopedic care. She's also an adjunct clinical professor at Stanford University School of Medicine, and she also has a whole long list of acronyms I could probably give you, including uh, an advisor to LaRev Regenerative. Dr. Navani, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate and before it. before we go any further, I want to say hello to Alex, my co-host. How's it going, Hi, everybody? Alex. Good to be back, and uh, thank, you. thank you for being here, Dr. Navani. Hi, Alex. Thank you. So, Dr. Navani, you have an interesting background we're going to dive into today. But before we do that, let's hear a little bit about your background. Can you share a little bit to our audience, kind of where you came from, where you grew up? And then what was the story? How did you get into medicine? Absolutely. Yeah, I grew up in India. I was born in central India in a city called Bhilai. It's a steel city. Uh, my dad's a mechanical engineer. He built the steel plant from ground up. Um, and uh, in that city, everybody used to be quite focused on studying and uh, making a great career. Um, and my family um, was an educated family. We had a lot of physicians and engineers in the family. So I grew up in that environment where academics were put at a forefront, uh, as well as extracurricular activities. So we, I grew up in a very broad-minded um, uh, family. And uh, it was an amazing experience uh, to see how every professional took their career to the greatest limits they could. Um, so seeing the healthcare system in India, uh, it inspired me to take up the profession of medicine. Um, and I um, actually ended up going to the first medical school of Asia in Calcutta, uh, wow. now known as Kolkata, where Mother Teresa used to be. Amazing. Cool. So you started your medical journey in India, and now you're here in the United States practicing here in the Bay Area. Tell us a little bit, how you came, what was your journey like coming to the United States, and how did you get here, and how did you get plugged into the medical field here? Yeah, uh, it was an amazing experience studying medicine uh, in India. I did my MBBS in Kolkata in the uh, Medical College of Calcutta. Uh, following that, um, I, it was my dream to engage in research and cutting-edge technologies. So that drove me to the uh, United States, uh, where I actually uh, met my husband. Uh, in fact, I met him in India, but then we pursued a career together here. He's a tech guy, so he always was in Silicon Valley and this was the place for me to be. Um, so I came here, I started my uh, journey with research at UCSF. I did bench research uh, in Department of Neurology at UCSF in multiple sclerosis. Uh, and from there on, I went on to do my anesthesia residency at Medical College of Wisconsin and fellowship in international pain at UC Davis. Thereafter, I took uh, my first job as a faculty at Stanford, uh, and here I am, uh, several years down the road now. Wow. Cool. So here in the Bay Area and beyond, you have several different locations. 
and your practice really focuses on kind of a, a combination of cutting edge technology and procedures, as well as the holistic care process itself. Is that right? It is. It is. That's always been the motto of starting the clinic, and that's been our goal. Amazing. Well, how did you come up with the idea of private practice? I mean, it's one thing to be a researcher and a technical clinician. It's kind of another thing to get into the entrepreneurship role of a business owner, a practice manager, and beyond. So how did you come up with the idea of, uh, of, of your centers? Yeah, especially going from being a teacher to then owning a business. That's got to be quite a jump as well. Yeah, it's been an interesting journey, actually. Uh, you know, I feel that we have a great group of scientists, physicians, healthcare providers in this country. Um, we also lead the way in medical advances. But if you look at the healthcare delivery system, I won't say we have the best they could be. Uh, and my dream was always to create a place where patients could come in to get individualized attention, uh, have access to the entire spectrum of medical treatments, and be given top priority. Mm. Um, so when it came to managing spine, orthopedic, and musculoskeletal conditions, uh, I felt like it wasn't just about um, uh, having the same treatment algorithm that applied to everybody. It wasn't about dismissing their condition, uh, providing them a pain medication, and writing them off, but it was about... Um, finding out what's wrong with them and trying to uh, fix it, finding solutions for them. And if we couldn't fix it all, then finding them rehab solutions to give them the best quality of life. Mm. So this was a concept and uh, the delivery system that I saw lacking, despite being trained in the best institutes and some of the best professors they could be. So this was the dream I wanted to accomplish. And so I set off on a journey to do it myself. Incredible. Incredible. So a combination of wanting to have good patient care and that high touch experience of the private practice, along with some of the innovations that you were seeing on the clinical research side of things. So kind of combine those two worlds together. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. It was about uh, offering the best there was at the time to the patients, as well as constantly evolving as time went on, keeping up with the newest technologies, bringing uh, the cutting edge treatments that were evidence-based at the point of care to these patients. And continuing to grow and evolve and learn and make patients the partners in their treatments along alongside us. Wow. Yeah. You know, one of the things we do on the show, which I'm pretty sure Alex endures is tell a good joke. And I imagine taking care of people, you see a lot of sick patients. So what did the doctor say to the sick apple? I wouldn't know, but I would love to hear it. He said, don't worry, young man. We'll get to the core of this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot more that came from, but we'll move on. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. So tell me, you know, you have this vision of merging the world of private practice, patient care, high touch with technology and innovation in the procedural side. What are some of the biggest obstacles you faced kind of in your journey to, to launch where you are, where you are today? Well, geez, that's a difficult one. You know, I think it's been an amazing journey and I've learned so much along the way. I think the biggest obstacle uh, I would say is uh, perhaps uh, me being a woman. Uh, you know, interventional pain is a surgical field uh, dominated uh, by men for the most part. And I knew I stood no chance if I relied on other people to help me. Mm. I also knew that uh, I wouldn't be getting a second chance or benefit of doubt if I made a mistake. Um, um. But I also then thought about it and thought I couldn't control external factors, but what I could control were things that 
I could control that as my vision, my time, my hard work. So I just, all I did was just believe in myself, put my head down, went charging ahead. And once I started that, there was no turning back. I still remember when I first opened my office, it was a 780 square feet place, a really small place with two staff members. And nothing but a big dream to offer the best quality of care to any patient who walked in through the door. And I think I did exactly that. Wow. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that being a woman in a uh, orthopedic surgery environment being different than your typical surgeon. Do you have any stories you could share for the audience to kind of feel a little bit of what that was like? You know, maybe to highlight some of the challenges, whether it be maybe not being treated the same way or maybe people asking you questions they didn't ask other physicians. Is there any examples you can provide that can just help us understand what that's like? Yeah, you know, I think uh, being a woman um, in a field that's surgical is challenging in and of itself because you don't really have other women to talk to or uh, learn from or, um, you know, even discuss the issues that you're facing. Um, You know, fortunately, I wasn't a victim of anything really bad happening to me. And I think people around me were supportive, but I knew I had to prove myself double the uh, amount that any male in my position would probably have to. And I can't tell you how many times I have taught courses or have been on panels um, at meetings or even attended meetings where I've been the only woman speaker no kidding. Um, speaking in a panel, uh, which is both good and bad. Uh, good in that women need to make a difference. And I'm happy that um, in my own humble way, I'm able to, but also bad that there should be a lot more of us doing it. Right. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, there has to be somebody who has to move the charge. And uh, I would encourage every woman out there to be out there because really sky is your limit and there are opportunities to be grabbed. Let's go grab them. That's right. And I think, uh, you know, we've had a couple conversations and I was hearing a little bit about your personal life and how you've started to encourage, you know, leadership in your kids, especially your daughter and your son. Can you share us a little bit about um, how you've been doing that through sports with your daughter? Because I find that quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, we uh, have always uh, been an extracurricular family in addition to academics. Academics do take a top priority in our family, in our household, in our line of thinking. Uh, But sports do also. So both our kids are heavily invested in squash. Our son, um, you know, used to play varsity basketball in middle school and uh, there was this opportunity he had where he had an, uh, a lesson with a world squash, world-class squash coach. Um, wow. And he picked up the squash racket and never went back to basketball. And he got himself top-ranked in the country, then went on to play at Tufts uh, in college. Our daughter was little at that time, so she followed her brother. But she started at the right age, and she has taken on the sport like you wouldn't believe. Um, she has actually broken so many different rackets. She was U.S. number one in girls under 11, under 13, oh. now under 17. She just played U.S. Open uh, and came number two in the world, um, being beat by U.S. number one, who's actually a pro, um, being beat by U.K. number one, who's actually a pro. Um, so she has really broken her own records. And, uh, you know, I think sports has done so much to our family in terms of teaching us leadership, teaching us humility, teaching us how not to give up when we fail. Mm -hmm. And I think all of these are great skills for life, um, no matter what we do every day. 
Absolutely. Yeah, it sounds like you come from a very impressive family, um, not only your immediate family here, but also what you told us about your family back in India and everybody having those great careers, being doctors, engineers and things like that. I'd imagine it was probably pretty competitive growing up. Um, and am I right in that? It was. It was. But you know what I always thought about competition? It's not about competition with others. It is all about, always about two things. One, can you leave the world better than you find, found it? Mm -hmm. And two, are you challenging yourself to compete against the best version of yourself every day? Mm. The competition is with yourself no, with, with, and with nobody else. Yeah, I was going to say growing up in a family like that with all that, you know, success around you and essentially that competition um, breeding all around you. It, it just sounds that's probably something that pushed you in your career, especially being a woman, having to push through all these barriers, um, being able to push through that some of that stuff that having that background probably helped. I think so. It made me strong. Uh, it made me know that anything was possible and you know i had to do it myself and couldn't rely on anybody else to hand it to over to me um so yeah it all worked it's and amazing then, the way i think drive and mindset need to coincide for someone to be successful because what i'm hearing from you so far you know in your journey is you competed with yourself you saw yourself as someone that didn't have to rely on other people at the same time you know having that drive, you also had the mindset to be able to achieve, overcome obstacles, whether, you know, being education, your gender, you know, your background from another country. Um, but through that whole journey, when did you make that pivot into uh, private practice? You know, when did you know that you needed to get out of the clinical side and the, and the research side and get into private practice? Can you tell us a bit how that happened? Yeah, I think so. Um, so while at Stanford, I learned of amazing ways in which you could administer care and bring the best to the people. Uh, but I also felt there was an, a need for uh, such treatments and such setups to be replicated in the community. Um, so with that dream, I came to the community to set up exactly the type of multidisciplinary care we see in big hospitals or tertiary care centers out in the community. That was always the goal. And although I started solo with just a single doctor, which was myself and two staff members in a very humble um, setting of 700 or 780 square feet place. The dream was to bring in more doctors and different uh, professionals uh, of different specialties to make a multidisciplinary center. Yeah. So with that, uh, that first year was uh, interesting and tough, but amazing also, because um, I recall that first year, I never saw daylight. I came in when it was dark and I left when it was dark. Oh, um, boy. And it was just such a great year because I practiced the way I wanted to practice medicine. And to this date, that hasn't changed. I, I practice medicine on my own terms, which I believe is the best way to practice medicine. Um, wow. But that first year, I remember not seeing the daylight at all. But the community, the local referring physicians, the hospitals understood the quality of care I was delivering. And they were very supportive. And within that first year, we grew more than we had anticipated we would grow. In fact... I had to uh, bring on board another physician, a nurse practitioner, and then the journey continued. And we brought like-minded people who had similar philosophies of not dismissing people for their injuries, but rather than finding out uh, what was wrong with them and fixing it and taking yeah. their foot and making sure they were giving them uh, top priorities um, in terms of our workplace and you know um, what we were doing every day. 
So with that we grew. Um, I think one of the pivoting points was to, uh, you know, understand how to not compromise the quality of care as you go yeah. grow bigger. So um, just to keep up with that whole goal of offering multidisciplinary, cutting-edge, expedited care, we needed to double up and triple up on our space technology and manpower as we started growing. And so we always kept ahead of that curve so as not to compromise the quality of care. And uh, now we are in 11 locations in California, Nevada, with 50 medical providers or so, 20-plus verticals. Again, keeping the same mission uh, of the best quality of care to a patient in an individualized setting. Yeah. And I'm hearing a lot, Alex, uh, from Dr. Navani, a lot of the entrepreneurial spirit we see in others. I was literally just going to say that that same entrepreneurial thread of finding a need and then satisfying that need. If you're, you're a teacher, you're a professor at, at Stanford University, you see that these other practices aren't necessarily doing it the way that you think is correct. So you go out there and you start it yourself and you do it what you think is the correct way. And that's, I mean, in any industry, that's that's what, exactly what an entrepreneur yeah. is. And then I think sometimes people don't understand, I think the grit that goes into running a business, let alone a business in healthcare that has a lot of regulatory burden on top of, you know, just getting the, the nuts and bolts of a practice to put together. And so I'd be curious to hear from you, Dr. Navani, you mentioned being able to grow and, and getting support from the community. How did you build those connections with people and how did they hear about you and start to buy into your vision? Yeah. Um, you know, I think if you do good quality work, the word just travels. Um, started seeing a lot of patients bring in their families and then talking to the neighbors and then talking to the referral uh, doctors, the PCPs. Uh, and so the business just started growing like that, even without any uh, push or marketing from my own end. Um, so that's what what led to the exponential growth over the first few years. And even now, I mean, word of mouth is the strongest referral source we have. Um, I think, you know, just doing good quality care, the business just comes. And this is something that somebody very special to me mentioned in uh, very early years of uh, my career. Uh, don't worry about investing in marketing. Just do good quality work. Business will just come. Yes, that's um, so that's right. what we focused on. Amazing. Yeah. And so in those early days when you're when you're not in daylight and you're working all day, um, and when you got started, what was it like for your family? I mean, did you have children at that point when you're working, you know, all day, uh, all night? Uh, how did your husband handle it? What was the personal side of that? Yeah, well, I have to do tell you this, that I wouldn't be able to do what I do um, or what I've done and what I do every day even now if I didn't have a supportive family like what I have now. Um, this is a teamwork, uh, you know, not just of the co-workers I have, uh, but also my family. And when I was uh, in there seeing patients from morning to through night and never saw the day of light, they were with me, backing me up 100%. Uh, I remember my husband and I have done everything to build up offices, starting from hanging pictures on the wall to uh, even mentally rehearsing how our patients would walk through the clinic the first day we wow. opened doors, right? Wow. Uh, it takes a team to do it. And kids have been super supportive. You know, there. I can't think of how many summers our kids have come to the office and, you know, shredded paper or, um, you know, sent out faxes and volunteer in the office. It's a, it's. This is what it takes. Um, and so I couldn't have done what I did and what I do every day if my family was not hundred percent behind me. And they are. And I'm so glad I have the family I have now. 
That's cool. Yeah. I used to love shredding paper as a child as well. <laughs> I, I still do. I, yeah. It's very fun. Yeah. Well, my, my kids I, did get paid a dollar uh, an hour or something like that. So wow. now they, they, you know, as they grew up, they started revolting to that uh, rate of labor. Entrepreneurial. I love it. My, uh, my four-year-old gets invited over to his grandfather's house to shred paper. But I think that's just out of pure entertainment. I don't think there's any dollar incentive for that yet, though. But I'll have to bring that up to him. I'll bring that up to him. <laughs> That's great. Wait, well, so how many locations do you have? I'm sorry. We have 11 locations at this time. 11. So where do you go from here? I mean, that's a pretty large practice. Are you continuing to open new ones or where? what is your vision for the future? Yeah, I'm not done yet. In fact, I've just started. Um, and it's going to be growth in the clinics, not only in California, but beyond. We have already made an impression in neighboring state, Nevada. Our plan is to go nationwide, um, and we are mapping that out now. Um, also, in terms of just improving the healthcare delivery system and the quality of care, uh, we are infusing a lot of technology in what we already have built. Um, so we have actually developed a software program where, whereby we have um, been able to um, have all stakeholders involved in patient care say insurance companies, healthcare providers, nurses, employers, to be able to real-time communicate with each other to expedite wow. health um, care delivery system. You guys created that software? Correct, we did. Uh, we are in the wow. process of rolling that out now. And then uh, we're also using latest technology like orthobiologics. Uh, we are uh, starting a platform with AR, VR, robotics, AI, to bring advanced healthcare solutions to our patients with spine, orthopedic, and musculoskeletal system. So these are a couple of new projects we have taken on to enhance uh, what we are offering our patients now. And in addition to the growth of the clinics and outreach to need uh, access areas. So you said your husband was pretty big into the tech industry. Is he pretty instrumental in all this stuff, putting the software together and getting the AI and robotics brought in and that kind of thing? Yeah, so all along, while I've been building up my practice, he has been doing his own thing with um, healthcare startups, and uh, he has had two or three healthcare startups that he has actually exited out of, uh, two of them I know he exited out of, and now his interest is in the, you know, the newer generation technologies brought into healthcare. Uh, so the project that we're doing with AR, VR, robotics, AI um, is uh, in uh, uh, line with his vision. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I can't wait to see what solutions that brings as we talk about metaverse and uh, the newer technologies and right. how the healthcare is going to evolve. It'll be interesting to see what we can do for our spine, orthopedic and musculoskeletal patients. Fascinating. I love that idea. So you, you guys are kind of like a, like a secret power couple. We didn't know this until we kind of hear the, the two sides of the story that you have an entrepreneurial husband and you are also entrepreneurial and he brings the some of the technology side, you bring the clinical side and, and the pra practical side together. It sounds like you guys have a shared vision beyond just shredding paper, which is pretty cool. Uh, yes, absolutely. And he is absolutely uh, uh, a huge resource and help to me when, you know, when one thinks about beyond the uh, boundary walls of the clinic, what to do beyond that and kind of, you know, let's sort the imagination to see what else healthcare has to offer to our patients? How can we make and enhance the care we are offering our patients better? Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a great team, I should say, no question. Yeah, not to mention two nationally top ranked uh, squash players for children as well. Can't wait to see what they do with their lives. <laughs> well, I'm keeping the fingers crossed. 
Yeah. Did you hear the one about uh, the first recorded case of racquetball? No. Yes, the first the first recorded case of racquetball. Apparently, in the Old Testament, uh, in the Bible, there's a case where Joseph served in Pharaoh's court. Oh wow! Oh, I didn't know that. My daughter will be really interested in that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's there's more where that came from. Don't worry, I'm, I'm a fountain of knowledge. But um, anyway, so as we wrap up our show today, um, what is the biggest thing you learned? We love giving the audience a nugget from your journey so they can take that back and kind of learn, but also maybe get some inspiration. What's the biggest thing you learned during this kick push pivot? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know there are quite a few lessons I learned along the way. I made a lot of mistakes. I learned from them. Uh, and I don't think the learning is over yet. I'm going to learn every single day um, because I think every day is a chance to be better than yesterday. Uh, but there are a couple of lessons that really strike me at this time. Lesson one, uh, I think there is no limit to what you can achieve. Um, you, all you have to do is have the will to get that uh, for yourself. And there are opportunities out there. You need to just go grab them. I often remember a quote my dad used to teach me while growing up, and it's really strong accord with me and stayed with me and it goes um, like this uh, he used to say raise yourself to such mighty heights that god himself shall ask thee what destiny thou shall have and although they seem like really big words while i was growing up i now understand the meaning and it just empowers a person to be able to write their own fate um, which i strongly believe in and then the other thing I feel is really important uh, from a practical perspective is um, if you have a vision and you feel like you're onto something special, uh, make people see that uh, vision mm. through your eyes. And true. I think this is what I've been able to do with our uh, staff members, with our other physicians in the practice. And so no matter what the you know world has thrown at us with the pandemic or staffing shortage or su supply chain shortage, we are there every single day in our clinics to make a difference. I love that. Uh, and it is because it's a team. Absolutely. And I think the vision piece is key, right? All, all great organizations always have a common theme, and that is having a vision that people buy into. Because that's when you scale, right? People buy in, and they're willing to make the sacrifices, they bring ideas, because they understand the direction of the company or the organization, and they can they can buy into that. Yeah, and, and that being genuine about it, too, and not just being in it for the money. Like, you can tell just by talking to you that you're very genuine about um, you know, your thoughts and feelings about where you want the business to be and how you want it to be in a holistic thing. I feel like that, that genuine nature is a, is a key piece. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for folks that want to learn more about your practice or about the work you do, what's the best way for them to go, place for them to go or to learn from you? Absolutely. They can email me. Um, and my email is uh, anavani at cssctr.com. Excellent. And do you have a website for your practice that people can also go to and like see more about the practice and maybe some of your locations if they're nearby? Absolutely. It's uh, cssctr.com. Excellent. Very good. Well, Dr. Navani, absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the show today. And before we go, Alex, any final words of wisdom for the audience? No, this has been great. Thank you so much, Dr. Navani. Uh, you're an incredible woman and you have an incredible family and uh, it's been uh, just a an honor to get to know you today. Thank you, Alex. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for all the listeners out there. 
Uh, make sure to like, follow, and subscribe at all our social medias, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook at KPP Podcast. If you'd like to be on the show or know someone who would make a great guest, feel free to reach out. Hope to see you next time.